you like conversation on a variety of topics? Feel like no one wants to talk about the things that interest you? Tired of only hearing the same political, sports, or catastrophe talk? Yeah, we feel that way too. Join two high-functioning geeks as they discuss just about anything under the sun. We can't tell you what we'll be talking about each week because we don't know where our brains will take us. It will be an interesting conversation, though, so hang on and join us. Here comes the Relentless Geekery. How is Alan today, besides wet? <laughs> and actually, it's... So, first of all, the big sad news is I should tomorrow, and actually already today, be at the Men's Annual Gathering. Yeah. I'm anticipating being, being at that for a year. It was shaping up wonderfully. We had a really great committee this year, and people were just, they gathered tons of programs from members and non-members, so we had all, that's my favorite part of the thing, is just all these one-hour immersions into something the person, someone is an expert in, that they're passionate about. You just get so much uh, a cornucopia of, wow, I didn't know that I wanted to know more about Hercules, the other city besides Pompeii that got buried, or whatever else it might be. Great special events this year. We had our gala dinner speaker was Shetterly, who is the woman that wrote the book Hidden Figures. I think we talked about this before, yep, yep. as well as a talent show, a comedy show, a drag brunch, a cryptic crawl, just so much cool stuff going on. And today, the annual gathering actually runs Wednesday to Sunday. Today would have been the colloquium. And I don't know if we talked about this that much before. The colloquium is a really cool event that Mensa puts on where it's deep immersion into a single topic. And it's, it's the stereotype of what people think we do at Mensa conferences. What giftedness through the, through the life, through the lifeline. And like talking about, many people have questions about gifted children. How do I know? How do I, the, the care and feeding of them if I have them and stuff <laughs> like that. But also, Mensons are very aware. We are our own support group. That doesn't turn off when you get to be a teen or a 20-something in the workforce or a a mature haha adult with kids and stuff <laughs> like that. There's still things that are different about smarties that you have to be aware of. What kind of smarts do you have? Are you the curious type? Are you the deep silo knowledge type? Are you, do you have, as we've laughed about, some traces of Asperger's or things where you're the stereotype of the geek, the nerd, is that we're poorly socialized. And that's, of course, only a stereotype. But for some people, they fill the stereotype quite well. I, and it's not only you have great speakers from outside, like the professors, the authors, the people that really know about that topic, and then you have good Q&As after each of their presentations, and then often there's a big panel discussion at the end where, and, and anybody who was at the colloquium, like, really want to be there. They're interested in the topic. And the you and I have laughed about this. We were just at the a Comic-Con, for instance, and I could start writing out what questions are going to be asked because they're so boringly typical of you what's your favorite sandwich and what was it like meeting bruce campbell and whatever else it might be and instead here there's really a lot of times mensons know a lot they know if not as much as all the experts in the room they're expert in that field as well and so their questions are yeah or at least there's a lot of knowledge a little bit of basic knowledge on lots of topics that help you form a like you said deeper question a question that's not just how many parents do you know? It's something very specific with more connotations to it uh, quite often. Yeah. yeah. And then and the discussions just while you're seated in the audience, seated around tables for lunch, just standing around, 
it's just at a wonderful higher level. You know what I mean? There, yeah. There's a bunch of friendship and quippery and stuff like that. But it's also, if you're really there to learn something, it's very cool to hear not only people's personal experiences of things, which is like witnessing, but that's the lowest form of knowledge transfer. It's so does everybody think and feel this way? How do you get to statistical significance? How do you get to something that you could use to predict the future or at least be able to say, oh, we recognize these four factors. And so probably you're type X and therefore a good solution to why you're not fitting in might be this or what career you should pursue or what you should do with your retirement or whatever else it might be. I'm not to cut you off, I'll keep going. But as a aside to that, this isn't the elitist, like, oh, now we're around smart people. We can talk smart and we're, it's none of that. It's really want to learn things, really enjoy that. That's how our brains are wired. I was at fireworks last night watching some guys throw football and I'm like, damn, I can't even throw a football half as close as that. And my point is they had no problem showing off their skills and athleticism in front of people. And there was no big deal. But sometimes when you get your brain and you're talking on a level that most people are like, what are you talking about? It, they think it's elitist in that. So the colloquium and the AG is in a place where everybody's like that. You can really, not for us, but other people let your hair down and enjoy that. True. That's one of the most common things about Mensa in general, but these gatherings is specific is everybody gets your jokes. Everybody, you don't have to slow down your conversation, use a lesser vocabulary. And put it this way, that might sound a little bit complaining, but it's real. I really take the bridles off when I am with my Mensa friends, because like I speak relatively quickly all the time. I really, when I do a presentation, I must give two hours (laughs) worth of material in an hour because I just Well, no, 45 minutes because you got to have 15 minutes of questions. There is a passing (laughs) period and an AV setup time. That's exactly right. But it just, it love. I have friends I've made you know, over the course of the years that I don't live near them. But when you see them at the AG every year, you just get a wonderful, so how's life? And in five minutes, you really get to hear, wow, they're not just, oh, I'm getting by. It's more like, hey, I just decided to take on archaeology in Montana because <laughs> yes. I, you know what I mean? There's all kinds of dabblings, but the dabblings are not like typical. They're interesting. They talk about where they've traveled and the travel is not, I went to every pub, which is cool, but it's not. Instead, it's I'm studying illuminated manuscripts. You know what I mean? That they, fi- they they go through. Here's where the biggest stores of them are in Europe. And where do we get a lot of our medieval knowledge? Because some books survived yes. in the 1400s or 1600s or whatever else it might be. It's yeah. not that they went and visited all the pubs in their town. It's that they read about a building historically that was the original pub that so-and-so stayed at, and they're helping restore it by researching the type of wallpaper that was. That's the, exactly. the difference in how the brains That's are right. wired. This was Richard the Lionhearted's favorite pub. Yeah, like and what you we find I mean? enjoyable and fun. because <laughs> right. You say stuff like that sometimes, you get people like, why are you doing that? Because it's a load of fun. No, yeah. it's just how people, it's, it's, it's different. It's a, a slight differentiator, exactly. Yes. And of course, a number of people are not only just flying and some people are doing cross-country travel. And so you get to like, here's the cool places that they're stopping at. They, again, they don't just, we found a motel, we found a motel and it happens to be near where Louis L'Amour wrote his book or whatever else it might right. be. It's, I really love that stimulation. And you talk about after any kind of convention, when you're with your tribe, 
there's often that big like Monday letdown where you're like, oh, back to the mundane world. Now I know I get to deal with tax consequences and stuff like that. So I'm the reason I'm not going this year is because we got the conservatorship hearing for my mom and it's on seven eight. It's right in the heart of the gathering. And of course it's not within drivable distance of Reno slash Sparks, Nevada. So I just after looking forward to something for a year and then having it pulled out from under. And I have misgivings about this. It, I really want to be at the hearing. It really might be that it's, it could be virtual or that really what we care about is the results of the hearing. But I, this is a significant event in our lives. I really want to be there to see the process. And I've not been called as a witness or anything like that. But don't you want to know the rigor that goes into they're giving a, a human being's life over into somebody else's hands, financial and medical power of attorney, if you will. And I, I just, boy, do I need reinforcement that our systems work nowadays. There's so many ways in which things are being frayed and undermined and abandoned that are importantly traditional and useful. And I don't want to think one of the things that I have appreciated about the Brookdale facility where mom is, is that it really seems to be rigorous in terms of it's not a scam and they don't let scammers approach people there. It's a very safe place. And every other thing, boy, upon my father's death, we started to get all kinds of stuff in the mail that are the usual kind of vultures circling. Yeah. So when I go there and I I process the mail, they were good charitable givers to nature causes and veterans causes and whatever else it might be. But there's also all these other kind of scammy stuff. And it, it's a stereotype in the, again, I'm overusing that word. It's a tradition here in the United States that people think that as you get older and you're, I don't know, a little less mentally there, a little more trusting, that people swoop in and try to be like, hey, oh, I, I just want to make sure there's, I don't know, all kinds of like my mom and dad were really good to me and I want to be as good to them as I can be. And so it's important. It's important to be there. It's important yeah. to be part of this process and just... Like we, Colleen and I laugh about this all the time. Wow, we got two things going on in September on the exact same damn night. Why is that? Why do we have to make trade-offs and give-ups instead of, couldn't we have coordinated this somehow? So, and the, I've been realizing lately how much this has been wearing me down. You know what I mean? It's difficult to be out in, a, in the house where I'm, I'm packing things up and so I'm saying goodbye to my parents' life, if you will. I'm handling their affairs. And my brothers are also participating, but I'm doing, I think, the most of it because I've done the most visits, if you will. And it's just weird how much I'm more emotional than usual. I'm more down than usual because death ain't any fun. My mom having Alzheimer's ain't any fun. It's hard to face these things of this could go on for a while. And I, I don't know. So I was really looking forward to this gathering as a relief. Because you really can just put the world outside the doors for a while. You know what I mean? Just play games and go to silly programs and cheer on the Mr. Mensa contestant and whatever else it might be. And I'm not getting, Colleen and I are not getting a chance to do that. Yeah. And, and I said, I need to be at this hearing. You don't. Colleen, do you want to go? He, we've enjoyed these things together. So she doesn't want to go by herself. But then it's what a sad sacrifice for the both of us. I was going to do a talk on comic books, comic book geography in the multiverse, you know what I mean? Geekery personified, ex epitomized. Hey. Colleen was going to run the Carnelli tournament, which is a cool 
like word association game that Mensons play. And now even those little bits of things we love, things we love doing with our friends, things that are highlights of past gatherings, whoop, rug pulled out from under. So yeah. I, I just. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. With your parents, from what we've talked about, you have good memories. You had a good time and you have, so there's no, no words that are going to be that consoling, but there's a lot of people that don't have that. And a lot of people that don't have good memories. So you've got that. No, not that you don't have regrets, but there's not, everything's not a regret. And you you and your brothers aren't fighting, but you're not arguing about this, that, and the other thing. So exactly that. there's very little family drama going on. Right. You, know, you can tell that people under pressure, they get a little testy and stuff like that, but there's no, <laughs> wow. I've, I'm the black sheep of the family returned to steal the family fortune. There's none of that crap. Oh yeah. Right? So I could go on about our family when my grandmother died and stuff. Not even worth it, but and the AG, I haven't been to one for a couple years, almost five years. I haven't been to an AG, so I'd really love to get back to one, and I'd love to sit in on talks and do a talk or to maybe try and get our podcast a live one of it or something. Honestly, that you know, you end up going next year at Baltimore. It's closer driving distance, flying, and it's. I would love to do that. Us doing a, a good live relentless geekery. We'd have a great crowd. And oh, we'd God, we'd probably be in trouble at the height of our powers. You know what I mean? It would, it would be a great time. Exactly. Yeah. One of the things that's worth pointing out about Mensa, they have this tradition over the 4th of July weekend. But instead of going up to, oh, how about Canada? How about Minnesota? No, we go to Phoenix and Sparks, Nevada. It's in a desert. You know what I mean? <laughs> Luckily, uh, someone pointed out this is the high desert instead of the low desert, whereas Phoenix is getting like 110 degrees. And for an extended period of time, this is only going to break into the 90s regularly. 50s at night. Deserts are weird like that in terms of there's a huge temperature swing because the usual things that like absorb and and give off heat, it's a different climb there. And so I, I don't know. I just, I, we, the gathering had been in Reno 10 years ago. So we already had a chance to explore Reno and Carson City and Lake Tahoe and stuff like that. And this was going to be at a resort hotel that, for all I know, we really wouldn't have left it. We just would have taken root in this hotel. It's 90 degrees out there, air conditioned in here. I think I'll go play another game. I love doing that. I love exploring. Where's the best barbecue? Where's the cool little history museum about the, the railroad that went through or whatever else it might be? Another, They did a great job with tours this year. They had everything of interest in Reno slash Sparks. They had a thing. Let's go to see some wild Mustangs and let's go to the Mustang Ranch. And that's not the ranch where they keep the Mustangs. That's a brothel. Yes. <laughs> I think I might have mentioned that before. Yeah, we were talking about that. <laughs> you can tell this is the Menson group because they're asking all these questions about how do you get paid? And what are do you like indoor beds? How long do you keep the mattresses? What sheets are you using? It's like, the details. Exactly. Yeah, it's the, not the question <laughs> normally asked. <laughs> probably all the, and, and what, the funny thing is, you'd probably run into somebody that's Menson level and like answers all this. And it's like that just the other way would probably be totally shocking. <laughs> and like uh, being a, a, a worker at a uh, brothel is not the same as being like in the porn industry. But if you remember Asia Carrera is actually a Menson. I think there's a couple of people in the, the porn industry that are Mensa qualified. I don't know. It's cool that we're everywhere. You oh know, yeah. There's truck drivers to presidents. There's porn workers to nuns. There's everything that you could imagine for having to have a high IQ and you just expressed it in different ways. 
so that's kind of cool. That's a great way of putting it. There's <laughs> the that's the new billboard for the brothel. We express it in different ways. Exactly. <laughs> Another thing I'll mention, by the way, is that Mind Games next year is in Columbus. Yes, it's just down the road. And so I don't know that we're going to do a podcast from there, but we can absolutely do dispatches from the field in terms of what games are we trying and what do we think. Yes, and, you know, that would be awesome. It, I don't know. There's I don't think there's any confidentiality required, but I know that I don't want to be so involved in doing those that I'm not playing the game. Want to be there is to play your thirty to sixty. You right. know what I mean? I didn't even think everything. about that. We could do a like a quick two minute update where we just like in the hallway hold the camera. So here's what I've played. I love this. I did, and then it's done recorded, and then afterwards we compile them into. Honestly, I think that'd be really cool. I, and yeah. then, you know, mind games usually has maybe three hundred, going up to now three fifty nowadays. It's a bigger and bigger event, but that's out of. 50,000 mentions. And so there's probably any number of people that can't make it to this thing that would still be interested in what that content is. And then right. for then, which is April, but like when people start looking at people's birthdays and of course for Christmas, what were the big winners and what other things were, I don't know, I have a whole philosophy about how I do this event that I really keep track of. That you know, There's multiple factors that the games are judged by, but I care the most about, for instance, replayability. I tend to not like a game that I did it once and then you're done with it i like want to get my money's worth and i like where they set the game up to be like that and not only replayable because you keep adding extensions but just replayable in the game's essence there's enough changeability and luck and whatever else might be so it'll be it would be a i'd love to do that there's little two minute blips dispatches from out in the hallway don't disrupt all the gamers and stuff like that that's let's look towards doing that that's a very cool idea for next year yeah because i was talking to the last eight Age RG, I went to the one guy there down in Dayton. He's helping run it up in Columbus. Right. James Nelly, exactly. Yes, James. yes. And yeah. uh, so I, he said, you get something, you get a day free or something like that if you help out for a couple hours. Where I'm like, I'm in. I'm two hours away. I could drive down easily on a Wednesday. And, right. and he actually he asked me to be one of the not a co-chair or anything like that. He really is that, but like one of the day chairs that keeps track of. Okay, besides playing the games, are the games getting put back where they should go? Is hospitality getting filled? Just the people that smooth things out so that 349 people can concentrate on this cool thing and that step outside of that and be an administrator and a a caretaker once in a while. So I'm going to help them out with that. It's nice. nice. I think I, have we talked about this? My philosophy about volunteering, Mensen and otherwise, nowadays is pretty much not the cause. It's who do I want to contribute to the success of? Because there's all kinds of people that are really good at seeing a parade and getting in front of it, but they're not the best person for that job. They just want it. Yeah. And I've gotten tired of that. I've gotten tired of all the abuses and mistakes that go with someone wants to be the decider, even if they don't have anywhere near the temperament or the, even in Mensa, the intellectual capacity to handle a multivariable problem in a way that the most people are going to be satisfied instead of, I made a decision and I'm going to bullet through because Menson's had its share of asshole, dictator, terror, et cetera, et cetera. It's, I really tend to be like that, that it's who I collaborate with that matters more than just the sheer mind games is a good idea. You know what I mean? And I'm happy to be a participant, but it's the next step up is to be someone who's making the event run well. So for this, for the annual gathering, I did publicity and I'm good at it. You know what I mean? I'm good at gathering a whole bunch of information and expressing it in a persuasive, hey, come on and have a fun time with us, that kind of thing, and mostly got good feedback. And then once in a while, it's 
bear with me, I'll toot my own horn. It's the people who are determined to be nasty. I'm also verbally agile enough to not let them get away with it. You right. know what I mean? That I, I'm not there to be bullied. I'm not there to let any other volunteer be shot upon. And so it's important to be able to say, I, I understand your opinion, and I'll give it the appropriate attention, which it might be nothing. And <laughs> or, wow, that's you were very persuasive, except in your initial premise, you were wrong. And so everything else falls apart, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? It's, and I never want that stuff to be contentious. But most of the time, if you're witty enough, it's not contentious between you and that person. It's that everybody watching on the sideline is going, wow, this guy is really a jerk and handling that pretty well for how much it could have gotten even jerkier. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, oh. So that, that's our plan. We got some up to Chicago. I, as of right now, I want to go to Chicago. We'll and go ask him about doing a talk, maybe two even, yeah. depending on what, what goes. We'll see. I probably will repurpose my comic book talk for there. And then just that, if we want to do a live podcast from there, that would be great. Yeah. As usual, I'm hosting pretentious drinking. Have we talked about that on the podcast before? Maybe. Briefly mentioned, maybe. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny. This is so much. Hey, let's. What, what do you and I have in the pipeline as if we're sitting next? What's your next movie there, Bill? Pretentious drinking is a really cool event. It's 25 years plus old now where we sample different liqueurs and cordials good friend Gary Krivko and I long time ago up in Milwaukee and they had a, like at a small a tasting event if you will maybe half a dozen ten bottles and we kind of looked at each other and said yeah, we could do this in Chicago like mega bigger we the, Chicago has a very cool institution if you will called the Gobs Trust there's a guy named Burton Spain that left money to Mensa in a trust so the good old Burton Spain trust Gobs and it was particularly like don't do it for the boring things in Mensa. There's enough other ways in which those important things are being handled, scholarships and uh, testing and stuff like that. We want this to be the way that Mensons have fun, that they socialize. And so it helps to sponsor new events. And so we jumped into that and said, hey, we will charge a dollar a shop, but we need the money up front to be able to buy it. And then as we did it better and better over the years, it stopped being that we had to go to the Gob Trust because it really is for new events anyway. And it just started to be part of Halloween. In a big room, Halloween has 500 to 600 people. Half of them show up. And honestly, I already went into too much of the administration. What matters is it's really cool to be able to try something expensive. Often these bottles are $20, $30, $40, $60. And in a bar, it'll cost you 6 or $8 a shot. And you might hate it. So instead, everybody gets four little shot cups. And so it's not like everybody just bellies up to the bar and drinks themselves into oblivion. That's not what Mensa is about. Yeah. No. They, everyone socializes and they dress up. And that's right. It's, it's a it's big a... mingling event, and that's exactly right. <laughs> Pinky's out, exactly yes. that. Pinky and the brain. And actually, I think I initiated the immense toast, which is brain cells to spare. Boom. You know, that... <laughs> so I. It, Gary has he moved to St. Louis and stopped being as involved as much. So Colleen stepped up to do it with me. So we have two dozen, 16 to 24 poor meisters, depending on how much room we have. And so they have, they man the tables and they have sections. And I, Colleen and I go shopping and we have all the leftovers from the previous year because yours don't go bad in a year. Certain things do like cream liqueurs. You can have a bottle and you can turn it over and now it's cheese. And so you can't really that's, save that bad boy. Not off. very prestigious. <laughs> yeah. Not very prestigious, exactly. And but otherwise, everybody gets to try all kinds of things. Some people they come in and they've tried things before and they're like, it's been a long time since I had a shot of amaretto, a shot of Benedictine and brandy, my particular favorite. 
but we go searching every year for what's the cool new thing. Anything that you can distill is not the right word. Anything you can ferment can be made into a liqueur. So we've had caraway seed liqueur, and I'm going to name some of the worst. The kummel, the caraway seed liqueur. Oh my God, it was terrible. Artichoke <laughs> liqueur. It's called cyanaris. That's close enough to cyanide to be like what it's like. And we had snake wine one year that somebody brought from either Thailand or Laos that they actually kind of brought on a plane and they weren't sure that it'd be allowed and stuff like that. But like you have in various different mezcaller things that there's like a little worm or a little beetle in the bottom. This had a snake in the jar, <laughs> in the bottle, I should say. And it, it tasted nasty, but it wasn't horrible until enough of the liquid went, was drunk down that the snake was out in the air. And then it was, well, it's a rotten snake. It's a snake that got, <laughs> and Every year, there are people that like belly up to the tables and say, you know, so give me some of your best and some of your worst. And it's, best might be a matter of your personal taste, but I know what this year's worst is. Step <laughs> down over here. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, the... <laughs> that right there is what we were just talking about earlier. My cousin will say, I don't want that. That looks horrible. I don't want that. But typical trait of a mensin, high IQ is let's try what's bad. Let's try. And you want it, the experience. You want to see, you want to compare Why is it bad? Exactly. Uh, all the time with food, everything. I'm like that. Yeah. yeah, I'll give it a try. It looks horrible, but yeah, I'll give it a try. <laughs> also, my palate tends to be towards the sweet. You know what I mean? I really like all the different uh, fruit and berry brandies and stuff like that, where people really like the bitter. Yeah. And so you're going to get Unicum from, and another thing we try to do is, but it's not only the United States, there's things from all over the world that are almost like the traditional liqueur from that country. So you want to get what's the Hungarian one, what's the Irish one, what's the all over the place, you know what I mean? And there's a, enough good liquor stores in the Chicagoland area that we've been able to find all different kinds of things like that. One place we go to called Binnie's, true shout out to Binnie's Beverage Depot, has just an amazingly good selection. Instead of a little section, like other places have, they have a whole aisle and we work our way down and say, what haven't we tried before? What things have poured through in previous years? So we should get a replacement because more people want to try it. I have a, you know how this works. I have a master spreadsheet that's now right. that, 25 years old that we, I've got really good data on what worked and what didn't and what things I want. I, I sometimes lately I've actually bought two of certain things because as you might imagine, Mensons have like the public, you're going to love something that tastes like mead with a kick. It's honey wine. It's just so perfect. Anything involving chocolate, anything. And I, pretentious, the reason that it's that is it isn't any of the flavored rums, flavored vodkas, all that kind of stuff. I don't want something to taste like cotton candy. It really is a liqueur or a cordial where it's something that's been distilled down to its essence. And so when it tastes of elderflower, it really is, wow, I didn't know what elderflower is going to taste like how interesting and complex this is and so we have sections like people who man the various different tables here's the cream liqueurs here's the chocolates here's the things that are best served on ice here's the nuts here's the vegetables vegetable can be <laughs> distilled down you know what i mean the so broccoli and cauliflower exactly. <laughs> and there really are people that are like and i'll have you know, drink your veggies you all know, have little signs up that extol the virtues of what you're getting into there and for two hours, it's just such um, bonhomie. It's such conviviality. Everybody's having a good time, but we're watching our friends. If anything, another reason that I love sponsoring this event is I'm not a big drinker. I drink at this event and on New Year's Eve. 
I really don't like that people get drunk and then get in their 2,000-pound weapon yes. and drive it home. It's terrible how much that's still a part of our society. E- even with Uber and Lyft and all that. That's you know. right. So this is, everybody's in the hotel together. If you're, even if you get a little goofy because you, over, it's not only that pretentious drinking has alcohol, there's free-flowing beer and wine throughout the entire gathering. So sometimes people have been nipping away at their beers and then they show up at our event. And so sometimes people have had to be like, okay, let's take you back to your room and make sure that you're not going to Bon Scott yourself. You know what I mean? You're all in your own vomit. But we haven't had any incidents of someone really got stupid, really got nine sheets to the wind, et cetera, et cetera. We have had people that were put to bed, come back to visit again in their bathrobe. But how do you know? Because sometimes people walk around their bathrobe and slippers all weekend anyway. And there is some of that too. That's true. We do have people that have the big puppy slippers and stuff like that. So far as I know, there hasn't yet been a pretentious drinking baby. (laughs) Things for nine months later. That's what I'm saying. If it really was July, you know what I mean? October plus nine months. But I, I haven't heard anybody that directly attributed to that, though some couples have become couples because they discovered that they both like the same things or like the same that they just they did lower their inhibitions enough to talk at a better level than hey baby how you doing that's a whole topic right there because one of the traits you see quite often is there is some shyness and reticence with other groups you get the people that know each other a lot not so much a lot of times like the game room anyone hey we need someone else for a game you want to play and you bond over the game then your friends and your mom and stuff right. it, it, it does get difficult for this th- way of thinking or whatever to find somebody in that romantic era and, exactly. and so it's this is the same social lubricant as it is in every other bar or exactly whatever. with it's, people it's, of like mind <laughs> yeah I, I, i'll tell you every year after the event i feel questions from people that are like man, you had a banana liqueur that I absolutely love, but I didn't get the name of it. And because it comes a master spreadsheet, most of the time I recall, because I'm that guy that remembers everything. But a lot of times I'll have to be like, okay, was it this or this? Because we actually had three banana liqueurs this year. And then I was like, I'll even have a little picture. I'll say, does this need any of these names ring a bell? So I've been able then to do that cool thing that it really was also designed to do. Try a bottle for, instead of buying the $30 and making a terrible mistake, you find the one that you like, and then you're going to have that in your house so that when you want to have a, a sip of that perfection, that distilled elderberry, that right. perfect maple brandy, we've had all the different chocolates, the dark and the light, and it has or caramel, you know, creme, creme de leche, dolce de leche. It's got, I'm sure I butcher every foreign language. I really, yeah, I try. I butcher English, I though. <laughs> but, and people during the course of the year, they'll actually say, hey, I was just in this interesting place in wisconsin and i saw this thing that i haven't seen a pretentious drinking if you buy me that bottle i will reimburse you and we will put it out there on the tables so i've had half a dozen different agents over the years that have i found and actually if anybody in great britain is coming to halloween and wants to get me a bottle of unicorn tears from what i understand this thing exists and i've not been able to order it there's some there's many places that have restrictions either into the united states or out of that country or whatever so i'm always looking for certain like holy grail type things once it's in my mind i want to be able to say i've tried everything i've ever heard of i probably try this is gonna make me sound terrible 10 or a dozen new things that year 10 shots in a night i'm also 290 pounds (laughs) and and so i've I've never been anywhere near so drunk that i couldn't okay everybody event is over 
Let's get all the caps back on all the bottles. Let's make sure all the bottles go into the cases. And put like with like so that we can do an inventory later on. You know what I mean? It hasn't been, okay, now it's gone. Yeah. Somebody else clean up after him. So I'm happy about that. I'm sure that, I really am sure, unfortunately, that binge drinking ain't good for me. And now that I'm especially aware that I am pre-diabetic, that's especially yeah. a good thing. Yeah. And yet, it hasn't gotten me yet. And so I'm probably going to be less trying to try everything new, but I am going to have my favorite and three others. Or You know what I mean? I, I right. kind of would be able to say, when somebody asks me, what have you tried this year that you like? I'm always happy to say, I didn't realize that I would like the watermelon liqueur as much as I would, but boy, it's great. And walk over here. You mentioned the imports. This isn't a liqueur, but I found out that Rush, the rock band, has made their own craft beer. Like they're on their third type of craft beer. And I have an author friend in Canada that has some. So we were going to have a conference in Colorado, but it got canceled because lack of participation. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll bring down some. We'll go to the pub we'll drink some but he was going to bring a friend of his michael j anderson who is an author and has written star wars and many other books and his stuff exactly yeah he's like oh yeah i'll bring he'll come along we'll have some drinks at the pub moment oh yeah oh yes please i'm like (laughs) god but that got canceled and just like mind games one of the reasons you do it is so you get an idea of what you want to have yourself you know what i mean and mind games choices are not always on the mensa select list sometimes there are things that are particular to Colleen and I like, like word games, but from we have our liquor cabinet is um, our piano. We have a whole bunch of different bottles on the piano. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's better. Yeah. My cousin, he has steps in his house that come down and then they split to go into the kitchen and into the living room. The steps going into the kitchen used to be filled when we were all younger and it was a common thing and it was just everything. You couldn't everything walk that way. Exactly. Yeah, but it's out of 25 years, what's the greatest hits? I always have my Benedictine and Brandy because I'm Benedictine and Brandy because I love that one. I really like Somros, which is a, an Indian liqueur that, you know, that, that boy, Brante y Trace, 43, that has, I love not 42. Life, not, not 42. It's actually, it's one better than Life, <laughs> the Universe, and everything. So, wow. <laughs> I like things that have a certain particular taste. And I also like things that are very complex. And that while you're tasting, it's like, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on here. Benetine and Brandy is like one of those things that's got 17 herbs and spices done by the monks that I don't even know beforehand. It's not always predictable what things I'll really like, but like rum chata the first year that we had it. And it's funny, it's rum liqueur, not just rum, but it like, boy, this tastes like an oatmeal cookie with a kick. Yeah, I like oatmeal cookies. <laughs> and the ones that we've, we not only have gotten them, we've also brought it to Christmas that year for the family. And most people have never heard of any of the things that I bring because they're not, rum chata is now in the public consciousness. Yeah. A lot of people are aware of that. But the first time they brought it out, they're like, what the hell is this? This isn't your standard amaretto or there's things you always see behind the bars, right. half a dozen, 10 that bars have. And yet once they tried it, they were like, so what's the name of that again? And they pull right. out the phone and you know, make sure that now they can go and <laughs> rum chata is good in coffee if you yeah, like also, a little cream exactly. <laughs> what they'll find out sometimes is where'd you get that i got it at Binnie's in chicago oh that liqueur is not available like west of the mississippi <laughs> so the people that flew in from california they're pining until this thing gets a distributor that handles the entire united states or whatever else anyway it's one of those things i it, i don't think it's the longest running mensa event at an rg but it sure is up there i think it's 26 27 years nowadays it took a break when Halloween took a break. And last year, 
to my chagrin, I didn't do it. We were, Colleen and I were still very worried about COVID and masking and especially making sure that we were available to do other things like visit my parents. And Matt Crawford substituted in and did a fine job, but I'm happy to be coming back because I had a good streak going. And it really is, you know how that is? It's keep a streak going. Now, now yeah. I have a year off, but I love doing it. I love the shopping. I love the hosting. There I am in my kilt and my, yes. uh, my ruffled shirt and everything like that. And just, like I said, there's such a good feeling in the room. People are yeah. just so happy to be there. It's That's another thing that really, to me, epitomizes Mensa, that if you're going to do drinking, do something really cool, like craft beers or liqueurs and cordial or the finest scotches or brandies or whatever else it might be that a certain amount of knowledge helps you make better choices. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. Anyway. <laughs> so, I, boy, we went on too long about yeah, I was going to say, it's the 5th. Yesterday was the 4th. Fireworks everywhere. Even Akron's got canceled because of all the stuff going on in Akron right now. But it's funny you mentioned that about the fireworks and the history of that, because I was sitting there watching it last night, and I'm like, man, didn't the Chinese like invent fireworks in 1400 or something? I'm like, we have technology. Well, before and, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. I'm like, man, how did they really pack it and get it to so they're not killing themselves blowing themselves up and right. i was like we've got this wonderful display and they're they were really i was down in orville and they were really doing some trying to coordinate it but not just random all over so they had these things they were shooting off and it's boom but it was just these sparkles yeah. and it went exactly. across back and forth and then they were shooting bigger ones up above it so it was a combo thing and i'm like Man, that's all from what the Chinese did hundreds of years ago. Exactly. And how did they figure all that out and the colors and all that? Of course, my brain starts analyzing. It's pretty, more than pretty. <laughs> and that's, I guess that is, that I am right there with you. I love the fact that, I, that they're beautiful and that they have gotten that level of coordination and mixture and that kind of stuff. But early on, it was like, what makes that one red? What makes that green? What makes the flinders, the little glowing yeah. parts that come down? What, how do they do it so that it goes up and you can see a little spiraling tail and then it goes dark for a moment and then it blows up and yeah. then it whistle. So I was just curious as to, it isn't only one kind of thing. And so I just, I, I don't, I'm hardly an expert, but you learn, okay, different elements make different colors. So strontium is the red. I think copper is the green. I'm, I'm, I, I hope I'm not miss saying anything, but, and that the different combinations when you do a, uh, when you make a rocket and you do think it's going to split, it really is. You have to time it so that the second and third stage ignition, if you will, happens at exactly the right the right time so that it really does split evenly and stuff like that. And there really is craft and science that goes into the design. When you see something like, oh, it's a, a, a Saturn. It's got a round right. circle and then it's got an oval. So it looks like the rings. So how did they exactly place the things and time it so that they'd go off at the right time or this is a top hat or this one looks like a snoopy's face or whatever it's very cool that they have that control over something that's inherently out of control it's going to blow up it's chaos chaos in our little package yeah yeah so we had a really good sad sadly Whatever just happened in Highland, in Akron, like now that it's intruded on 4th of July and that kind of stuff, we're there and there's just throngs of people. There must have been 10,000 people. Wow. The Lakewood is 50,000 people and 10,000 of them were at our lake park. And they're all on blankets, standing in the street, whatever else it might be. 
And I don't want to have in the back of my mind, what would I do if something terrible started to happen? But sadly, you have to. You care about yeah. your life and your wife's life and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, wow, if I hear shots from that direction, then you run in the opposite direction. You get a big obstacle in between, like a house or a car. You keep moving away. Don't think that you're going to be able to take shelter. I don't know. I don't know what the actual, I think what I think, and maybe that's not the actual rule book, but I'm not going to stand there and wait to be picked. Right. And I don't carry a gun, so I'm not going to be the supposed hero that's going to, a good guy with a gun could be to, no. Shot five other people. Getting, exactly yeah. that. The All the statistics, we don't have to go into the whole gun control, and I don't even know, it's not a debate. It's obvious what it should be is that right. we have a radical, crazy element in our society that has blocked sense from happening for a long time. Yeah. And they, the penalty for that blockage has become higher and higher over these last 20 years. And there will never be enough terrible bodies stacked up from children, from people at a concert, from people at a, 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 an Independence Day parade, that finally they're going to say, oh, you're right. We, we, we were wrong all along. We really should have some control over this. I, I, my terrible dark humor quip is always, are we going to die from like reading comprehension? It's not just the right to own arms. It's in order to have a well-regulated militia. So yes. the word regulation is built right into it. And the fact that it's militia that is supposed to be for the defense of the country, not you can overthrow the tyrant that you think the United States is going to become but then you are terrorizing everyone else and you're getting weapons into the hands of crazies. And even the most reasonable things that we did put in place for a while, they've all been systematically removed. That it's not a concealed carry permit. It's not getting mental testing done. It's not getting training done before you know how to use it. That it's just, we want to go back to the Wild West where the most vicious guy with a gun somehow is in charge. And we can't, I just can't right. stand that that's our posture as a society. So what are we going to do? We're going to get all the bad guys out and put all the right guys in and finally pass these laws. And then we're going to do a concerted effort to get people yeah. to trade their guns in for money, get people to get guns out of the hands of the worst of the already offenders or potential offenders. What are we going to do so that it isn't that every parade and every church and every school and every movie theater, and like, you can't name a place that hasn't been ravaged by this now. And you mentioned that. And I was the same way last night. Because we're sitting there on the blanket waiting. There's a lot of people in the football field or soccer field and stuff. And yeah. we were looking at the dogs and stuff. And it's like, wow, there's like a whole lot of German shepherds. Oh, they're all gathering in groups. I'm like, oh, shit. What the? Is this about the, something to go down? But oh, it was just man. people that were had German shepherds. They started talking. Hey, I like your dog. But your brain jumps anymore. And it's that's not right. the way to live. <laughs> and as I surveyed the crowd, I want to, hey, everybody. Oh, I'm happy to be your friend. I don't want to be going, is that the guy? Is he right. dressed with the wrong jacket that would conceal a bunch of magazines? Is he like looking around in a way that he's not looking up at the sky? He's looking for a place to shoot from? Right. I just, I can't stand that we have that element in our society and that we haven't done something to curb it. You know what I mean? It's just, it's toll that it's taking and the weight that it's putting on everyone to worry about that. And, and the onion, as famously has a headline that they've repeated unfortunately like 27 times now nothing could have been done right says the country where this is the only place it happens on a repeated basis. yes i wish i could quote it directly because they put it perfectly pithy but like in every other place that they've done 
New Zealand, all in Europe, everywhere that you've read about how they had a terrible, tragic incident, and then they did the right thing, and they regulated it, and they made sure that it's still in the hands of law enforcement, that it's still useful for sports hunting and all the right, if you will, purposes that it can be put towards, but all of the, not just Saturday night specials anymore. Now it really is assault rifles. Yeah. You know? and, and <laughs> it, it's so many, how many memes are going around with that? That's, oh, we can't do anything about this, but we're going to regulate this and control this. Wait a second. How, right. That's the same thing. That's, boy, is that a perfect thing to say that when you have a discussion, when you have a debate or an argument, there's rules to how you can persuade people because you bring facts and you follow logically to the conclusions of those facts. And you don't keep throwing out sophistry and false arguments that sound good. They're wrong. They're wrong as you say them. And I can't think of how many topics do we have nowadays where people use the same repeated hack crap argument, but they, that's their trump card. That's where they say, if I say this, that I win the argument. And still, like with COVID, magazine size, I don't want to debate about what's an AR-15 or not. I like the fact right. that they immediately go to all the tactics that don't move towards shared understanding and what can we do together, that it's all contentious and meant to fragment the discussion and get no progress. I, so, I, I've still heard with COVID people say, oh, you're one of those sheep. I don't wear a mask because I like to breathe. Really, people have been wearing masks for two years. I haven't heard one person dying because they have the mask <laughs> on. And yeah. that's still your argument? The doctor that's going to save you in case you do get it, he wears a mask every day. All you day know, in why surgery. Are you, why are you such a liar? Why are you lying to yourself? But, but the, that's the thing to lie along. <laughs> honestly, Al, I really think they honestly believe it because they can't fathom that they're what they want isn't the best thing and they will believe whatever supports that it, they could take a lie detector test you could not detect that that they're lying they don't even think they're lying they think you're so wrong they think you're so stupid that you don't understand how wrong you are because they are right and I, how do you I argue that right i think you're right but what to me what comes with but we have all kinds of People that go to the commandments about why we should be doing various different things, go to the Bible. And funny, I don't think there's any prohibition against slavery or abortion or various other hot button issues, but there sure is a prohibition about bearing false witness. And that's not only lying, that's not trying to get to the truth. You commit as a society to like seeking the truth together. You know what I mean? That's the enlightenment. That's civilization. And and enlightenment is a bad thing to say because it was opposed to the church at the time. But way back then, the reason that we started to have laws and tribunals and so forth were, it wasn't, can I bribe this guy so I get my way? No, it's that we're going to catch the criminal, look at the clues, find the guy that's been taking the bribes, whatever. It's the seeking of truth. And someone that stops at whatever they think they believe, that they don't try to get rigorous about how you pursue the truth, that they don't try to say, gosh, there are experts in this. It isn't what I happen to see in a YouTube video. I should seek out the experts. I should myself become an expert. But that requires my becoming less passionate about what I already believe and more open to. Am I dead fucking wrong? But that's the, that's see that. again, that see that, that, that <laughs> it makes total sense. And it's the truth and all that. But they, they, they but don't even think make... that way. <laughs> uh, again, this is what 
I believe, and that's exactly what's true. And everybody else is wrong and nothing will change that. And you can't tell me anything because you're a conspiracy. You're lying. You're against this. You're controlled. You're, you know, I have all these beliefs that are just not reality, but it's delusional. I, for a totally different situation, which I'm not going to go into, but I used to bring up the argument. I'm like, but if I was in an insane asylum and there was a guy in the corner with his hand in his jacket going, I am Napoleon Bonaparte. How do you argue with him that he's not? You can't. You, they, 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 that's why he's in there. Right. But that's what we've got here with all these other people with all their beliefs. It's the same thing. They all think they're Napoleon. There's no way you'll convince them separate, differently. And so what do we as a society have to do? Move to Canada. Them, <laughs> exactly. No, it's put in the loony bin. You know what I mean? If we yeah. have, to have enough separation between the loonies and their ability to impact society if we need to outvote the loonies so that the right laws get passed so that there's enough even loonies won't touch the hot stove if you keep giving them an incentive or a disincentive for continuing the way that they are by acting like napoleon they get put to where their freedom is restricted they don't get to sit on the street corner and preach that they get to go where you take your pills at nine and five every day or whatever else. <laughs> and the fact that we have elements in our society that are actively fighting, shutting down some of the worst memes, some of the worst ideas that persuade people to dig in their heels and be wrong, but unshakably wrong. Society has the need to protect itself. You know what I mean? To, right. to stop those things from being as prevalent. And we've slid away from that because we sure have allowed all kinds of bad ideas. Every time that you hear about the election getting stolen, absolutely untrue. And you know that anybody that says that might be unshakable, but I have a certain, this is a variation on, don't attribute to malice what can be explained by stupidity. <laughs> I think that don't attribute to insanity, to unshakability. I think that sometimes there's other forces, there's other rewards that they get from wearing their silly red hat and saying things like our entire election system tuned as it has been by 200 years of having to prove the results that because one clown says false results bad election throw it all out we have to say no come over to the side where you can examine it just like we can you can prove to yourself that this is right and eventually when that clown goes to jail when he's in prison because he really did lie and incite and do all the wrong things it really might be that someone's going to say, huh, I put a lot of confidence in a guy that's been proven to be you, not only wrong, but maliciously wrong. That seems so right. Evil. That so, seems so right and logical. But what you're actually getting is, oh, see, they're still railroading things. They're still controlling it. And I had people say, yeah, Obama's paying those people to say those things about Trump. Yeah. What? <laughs> so uh, the, the crazies will eventually run out of a forum. You know what I mean? The fact that we have the Boberts and the Greens and whoever else, Palin, making a comeback, like the society has a need to stop putting a microphone in front of them. Yeah. The fact that, like, I don't know, after I heard some people speak twice, I knew I'm never hearing anything sensible out of their mouths. But the fact that they're so willing to jump to the microphone at every tragedy, it's like, why are we still allowing? That's not news. You know what I mean? Maybe right. Fox News is going to have it and they have a certain cachet in society. But all the other news places should not only be spending time telling the real news, but continually pointing out, as places have, here's the 20,000 lies that Fox News has told, that Donald Trump has told, that I mean, 
that we can provably they keep on spouting bad things, then finding out that they're wrong, provably, and then still continuing to say it. Now it's not just they were mistaken. Now they're actually liars. And then, right. and this is this is happening. All the things we've been having going on with January 6th, those hearings, I see continually people getting on TV and talking about what's wrong with all that. I don't see them stepping up and under oath saying that. And that is a huge telling thing. Because yes. then the crime is perjury. They lied knowingly, well, willing. Some of them are ignoring the subpoenas and they're not coming in. And that's what we had. What Thursday is there were a couple aides that stepped forth and said some things like, these are the emails. These are the conversations. And this is what I was told. I wasn't following it all at the time, but that they like had can re- they had convened, taken a break for the holiday and that. And they said, uh-uh, everybody needs to come back right now. And it was that big of revelation. Oh, Ever since, it's funny, the first time that we had those hearings, and I think Carl Rove was the first one that in memory I can remember saying, I'm not coming, and he got away with it, instead of that guy being manacled and monkey-walked into the court and said, you're not above the law. You will indeed answer these questions because you're the one that has a lot of information that we need to get to the truth, and even if you're not yourself committed to it, we are. And so now the fact that they can just say, I don't think I'm going to make an appearance, I can't believe that there aren't half a dozen Secret Service guys or Department of Justice, wherever the appropriate, the, the, who is it, the, uh, the chaplain's office, whatever the court people are that go and get those people and say, you were served a summons. That's not a, that's not a, maybe I'll make it. That's a court order. You yeah. got to be there. Right. So I, how we keep, and it's not only that they get away with it, it's that then you've created that precedent of other people think they can get away with it too. Uh, and only, oh, I, why people don't start saying the fact he doesn't want to appear in guilty. Well, that's you again, know, going back to the testify under oath. And that's why he's not showing up. But go you know again, I mean? going back to the loonies, that's not their response. Their response is, of course, because they're just going to twist his words. He knows the truth. Why should he go and appear? That's their logic to it. Again, how do you argue with thinking like that, that they I, support I it? Saying, the way courts work is this that everybody has the right to face their accusers and you have the right for cross-examination, you will get to the truth instead of the guy that just gets to stand in front of a sea of microphones and say whatever he wants. And then you hope that the correction will be in the newspaper, that some other commentator in an op-ed piece, like that, that if we're looking for a vehicle for finding out the truth, the courts with this antagonistic system is really good at getting to that. They, whatever they've made, maybe, some mistakes, 99% of the time, they did exactly as they should have, which was everyone had a chance to protect, present their facts, and in protecting that, the right to face your accusers, and that all the other things we put that were in direct response to bad courts in England, that you can't be held for an unnecessarily long time, that you, anyway, and honestly, Colleen and I, when we were in Boston and seeing a copy of the Magna Carta, what was one of the things that was in there? A man has the right to face his accuser. This isn't a new, hey, trumped up thing that we came up with in the United States. This is from 1210, was it? With King John being yeah. brought to heel by his barons about how it used to be. I can send the army in and they'll tell you what's true. Might makes right. No. That's what someone tried recently. <laughs> <laughs> so I... All the erosion of trusted institutions 
whether it's the courts or our monetary, monitoring and regulatory things, all that is a way of saying the truth doesn't matter. That I want to be able to right. get away yep. with things that before we had a way of curbing you. And it can't be your lie is so persuasive that your money is so pervasive. It has to be that we maintain these institutions. And so, I don't know, I, as a geek, like, how do we keep putting that method forward? I share often things like, so here's the Ad Fontes's media chart that talks about which are the sources for news that are the least biased and the least political. You know what I mean? And if you, and if you want to find something out, if you want to get to the truth, go here to the top of the pyramid where the BBC, Christian Science Monitor, I'm trying to think what's the, the most, the least biased and the most authoritative, they cite facts, etc. And if you want to be in on the stupid bamboozle, then go to InfoWars over here. Right. You know what I mean? There's just, there's known places that whenever anybody cites Fox News, it's, you've already lost the argument. So far as I'm concerned, as I do, that not only is Fox a propaganda machine, the people that listen to Fox are less informed than if they didn't read anything, than if they listened to nothing. You can't cite the crappiest news source available as your authoritative source. It's not, and it's provably not, and it's statistically not. And so, I don't know, I, whatever I used to talk about with, let's get to the facts of this, when people reject that approach, then let's talk about you because you're the problem. It's like, oh no, it's ad hominem. It's not ad hominem if the problem is you. Yes. You know, I'm not trying to attack you, oh, because you're, you're bald and therefore you're a bad guy. No, it's that you refuse to use facts in discussion about facts. That's the problem in this situation. You, you turn what you believe into a fact. Like that. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, when's the first time that you heard that? What? False facts or whatever, false news, fake wow. news. Like that, immediately, the, the entire news. press corps should have said, you're wrong. You don't get to decide that. We report on you because you're so overflowing with theses that there has to be this estate that makes sure that you can't just get up and say whatever you want and act as if this is the truth. Right. You're the fake news. And yet we haven't had enough crusaders because, hey, if you speak up, then you get thrown out of the press room and all you have is the propagandists left. And yet there is no way to do that nowadays without enough documentation being available in every video. And there's ways to judge the veracity of who said what. I am a fan of Snopes for a long time. And not because, hey, I like urban legend. It's because the rigor that they approach things, and when they occasionally got something wrong, that they printed a retraction. And same with Wikipedia in some ways, that it's there are self-correcting things in place. And almost everybody that I've seen attack those particular institutions, they're full of shit. That yeah. they want it to be that there's no fact-finding, that there's no fact-checkers, that they could just say whatever they want and get away with it. Instead of being, wow, what you're talking about with such vigor never happened. And provably, and yet you've repeated it three times now, and you've been told twice, provably that it never happened. So it isn't about the situation; it's about you. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. You telling me what a liberal bastion? Wow, I don't know. That's an insult. I don't know that that's a way of disqualifying. Like what they do is still fact-based and provably much more than Alex Jones just babbling, Rush Limbaugh being so facile with the language in how he lied. You know what I mean? I'm whatever level of hell he's currently broasting at. 
he damaged <laughs> the world in a lot of ways. Yes. I'm, uh, as Mark Twain said, didn't wish for his death, but I sent a nice letter saying I approve. Just to <laughs> sum up how crazy things have gotten, Howard Stern wants to run for president. We get one of the most outrageous mm-hmm. shock jocks ever. Exactly. And he wants to run for president. And the thing is, like, it seems normal. Okay, great. He's not the only one. Dr. Oz is running in Pennsylvania, right? Yes. But that actually, when you think about it, that's actually what it should be. Not career politicians. People who, now, I don't know if Howard Stern's motivations are more pure, but people that are, back in the day, they were farmers. The people liked them. They listened to them. They went into government. They became a senator, got sent to Washington and came back after four years and resumed farming. Now we've got people. I'm 21. I'm going to be president by the time I'm 50, 60. So my whole career that's their is plan their politics. entire life. Exactly. Yeah, that's not yeah. what it was supposed to be. Yeah. If in doing that, they learn how the system works and honor it, I have no problems with being, being the word politician means a, a, a man of the palace, a man of the city, someone who's an expert in how those things work. If you've been a mayor and a governor and like a person that had to deal with what is it like to gather facts and make a decision? What is it like to compromise with multiple factions? What's it like to have a budget and spend money wisely? All those things are good ideas for growing into the various different roles. But you don't get that. People that instead are like, hey, I used to be a celebrity on TV. Hey, I used to be a professional wrestler. You know what I mean? And even if they have a certain amount on the ball, what they've done with their life hasn't prepared them for the rigors of the job. But you don't hire a guy in to be CEO. He kind of let himself work his way up through the organization, testing himself and being tested and proving that he can handle it. And yet about the presidency, about the state senator, we're not going to follow that same level of rigor. So I don't know. This is a sad thing to say. I don't There's We have doctors that are scientists that really follow climate change, follow medical science, et cetera, et cetera. And we hear them speak. And then we have a bunch of charlatan people like the Pauls and the Oz's of the world that still get to use the word doctor in their title. And yet they've not been practicing and rigorous and keeping current and scientific about how they've done their doctoring. I'm amazed that they made it through med school because I thought it was a pretty rigorous program that would weed out people that didn't have this commitment and this amount of smarts and all that kind of stuff. Wow. I'm, I am baffled a little bit by how you can really be a medical doctor and yet be irrational in so many other ways. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought that like anatomy, biology, all those things are not, Hey, there's a, a demon in you and I have to drive it out. It's there's a, a bacteria, a microbe, a virus, and we know what drugs work against them. And you don't jump to wishful supernatural thinking. Right. You pursue medical science or so I thought and hope. Yeah. Oh, hey, before we go, because we're going long, you mentioned the new Doc Holiday series. I haven't watched it, so we'll make that a recommendation this week. Tell me quickly about why I want to watch this. I'm sorry, it's not a watch, it's a read. It's oh, a, a read. Okay, so a book read, series. Exactly. It's by Crumley, who is a pseudonym for a lady author out of Colorado. And I, I don't know that it gave her real name. <laughs> they just said it was a pseudonym. They're, they're a little bit, one step maybe more than teen fiction. Okay. The, the, the overall premise is Doc Holliday is made immortal. The Doc Holliday, who we all know from the OK Corral shootout, Wyatt Earp, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, she's a bit of a rogue. And what does he love doing? Gambling, womenizing, drinking whiskey, as well as 
being a force for good because he always was on the right side of the law, even while he was dissolute in those other ways. And so it's just kind of someone had a good idea. And Doc Holliday is, quotes in the public domain. So they have a hero, kind of like Sherlock Holmes. You can do anything you want with Sherlock nowadays because they're also not under copyright. And they're well-written and they're amusing, but they lack enough gravity. There were things where they just, the supporting characters are interesting, but not enough backstory yet. How things, the conclusion of the first book seemed to rush. And so it's a 12-book series so far. I bought that, and I also bought another book called the girl who could move shit with her mind. That's funny. The blurb and the premise sound interesting. If you really were a telekinetic, um, what would you do with it? What would the government want to do with you? Et cetera, et cetera. And so I, I bought the first of either, each of those so I could give it a try and see if I wanted to continue. Right now, I'm not sure about the holidays, especially as long as I could get them all at three bucks a pop. But I think if they're one of those things, they're new enough that there's no good used price. And I know we're about to conclude, but let me just say that the hazards of buying used books through Amazon are now terrible. I've gotten so many things that were listed as like new that were instead used as a doorstop, dog chewed on, and whatever the hell happened. And so now I've been, I've commented on that. And multiple people said, you should try Ava Books. You should try A Libris. There's multiple other sources for good used material that's more curated, better bookstores. It's not just someone hit the library used sale, and then resold it. You know what I mean? And especially my explanation for why it might have been that this reputation has been sundered is because the pandemic hit, people weren't coming into those bookstores. They had to sell something. So they just bumped the grades up a little bit. But I don't want to buy something for $2 off that it should be $20 off because it's such poor condition. Yeah, And I'm a collector. Which is funny you say that because I just ordered, now these were nonfiction instead of fiction. And that is a little different in how they're treated sometimes, but these were books on game design. Two different books I found that had some great things. I checked them out of the library, loved them, ordered them. And I ordered you because they were, one of them was a textbook. So the price was like $185 new. Wow, see I ordered used as, as good with that. A little worn, dog, it's fine. It's the info inside. Both of them came, they were brand new, not cracked, no bent paint, nothing. They were brand spanking new. So I was like, great, I I got off lucky. And you mentioned that and I'm like, huh, I didn't have it, but fiction's different. Exactly. And honestly, I, if I, or most of the things, if I just wanted to read and copy, I'd be okay with buying something in poor, fair, reasonable condition for a couple bucks, but I'm a collector. And I want, when I see like new, I really want it to be, oh, a slight nick. But I saved a couple of bucks. And instead, there's just been this huge stark contrast. And I'm, it worked so well for the first 18 out of 20 years. And over the last couple of years, it's just collapsed. I can't trust it anymore. And when I seek out, like, they not only have a reasonable price and like new, they've got 30,000 satisfied customers. Apparently, they just said, we got to let our reputation go to hell because we got to sell something. And in many cases, it's been, I said, this wasn't like new. And then they gave me a refund. I, either I sent it back or they actually said, hey, just hold on to the book. We don't need it back. So they know that they're scamming a little bit. But in other cases, it's been uh, tough. We're a small concern and it, it, Amazon will resolve it. I then have to raise it to Amazon. And right. I know this is a terrible thing to say, but I want this to be easy. I don't want it to be that I bought this book and I saved a couple of bucks. My time is worth more than the two bucks that I saved. And now I'm having to go through three forms and four letters to get my money back. 
that's what they probably some of them rely on the hassle of getting the refund so that's exactly for for three dollars you know yeah it's funny. I don't think that I'm cheap. It just has been such an obvious change from how I used to be able to buy with confidence, buy a crossword puzzle book and find out that half of it is filled in. You don't buy a book that you want to have like on the shelf looking nice. And then these two look nice. And this one is just torn up. I wouldn't have bought this if I saw it in the bookstore at any price. I wouldn't have bought this because condition matters enough. Well, it's even worse if you get a crossword puzzle book that's half done. It's if they're incorrect. If that's the reason they're half done is because you put the wrong right. words in and it's in pen. <laughs> I've occasionally done that. I on an airplane, they used to have a magazine and they'd have a puzzle in it. And I can't tell you how many times I got there. It's like I'm spending all my time correcting things in this puzzle. They, their vocabulary sucked. They didn't have any combo. You're yeah. exactly right. That's even more irritating. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. We went wild today. That's good. That's fine. Indeed. Okay. So are you going back to California anytime soon? Uh, as a matter of fact, oh, this week. That's right. For the conservatorship. Thing, and so it's and a shorter visit this time, but it's a, because they had a COVID outbreak in the facility. I've only been able to visit with my mom this last time outside and masked and everything, making right. sure that I'm safe, they're safe, and that the people that were there sick were, are indeed quarantined. I just sent an email to them saying, okay, I'm coming back Thursday. I'm hoping that we can meet besides outside because mom is more comfortable inside. She doesn't like getting too hot or too cold, et cetera, et cetera. And then we'll see what has to happen in August, September. The big thing is that hopefully with the conservatorship here and going the right way, we will then have the responsibility for her and we can really take care of her and keep her solvent and keep it's yeah. right now. There's been that the law is designed to still treat people as individuals, even though they were married for 60 years. And we had to make sure that we could act as dad since she's the survivor instead of my father, which was not everybody's expectation as sad as it is to say it that way. Yeah. So we now will be in a much better position to be responsible and make sure mom is well, I wish you luck. Exactly. Thank you. Rough Thank week. You. We'll see. Yeah. Every time you go into a court, it's, I have, very little idea of what really goes on in here. A big part of this is I want to know. I want to see it's, what happens. I want to yeah. That's, I, the, <laughs> I, real quick, I remember the one time, small, light, little mishap, but had the cops called and I had some paperwork to fill out and he just had me sit in the back and I'm in the back of the cop car, which I've never been in before. And he wasn't arresting me or anything. I was just sitting there to fill out paperwork. Right. And I'm like, so are they always like this? What do they do with this? And I'm asking all these questions. He's like, what the heck? <laughs> Just fill out your paperwork and go. <laughs> exactly. Honestly, my how I think I've lived a good life is how I've spent none time in court, in jail, in a cop car, et cetera, et cetera. You know what I mean? I haven't been in that even under happenstance and stuff like that. The number of interactions I've been have been speeding tickets. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, maybe it's like that for virtually everyone. But you know, they say a good friend you can call and say, Hey, I need bailed out of jail. A best friend is sitting next to you going, damn, that was a good time. That was a good time. Exactly. <laughs> so, yep, have right, a good week. week. Okay. You have been listening to the Relentless Geekery Podcast. Come back next week and join Alan and Stephen's conversation on Geek Topics of the Week. <laughs>